Welcome to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. Our show is all about the exciting world of real estate, and in particular, how it relates to the lucrative New York market. But if you're not planning a real estate transaction in New York, we still have plenty of information that you can use no matter where you are. Now, here's your host, Vince Rocco. All right, good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the program. We are live this morning from Blastar Productions here in New York City, as always, and this is Good Morning New York Real Estate. At this hour, despite seeing its median sale price drop 16% year-over-year, Tribeca came out on top as uh, New York City's most expensive neighborhood in the third quarter of 2018, according to a new report from Property Shore. The, re- the neighborhood with a median price of $3,450,000 is up from the number two spot it captured last year. We will talk about why that happened also at this hour. It's hunting season, hunting seasons for houses, that is. New York. Uh, New Yorkers are on the prowl for a new home this fall with plenty of options to consider thanks to a number of rental and condo developments that have recently launched or soon will. But pounding the pavement can be time-consuming, not to mention exhausting. So the New York Post gathered five prominent trends that define this latest wave of home building. Uh, We will break them down. Also, I will be talking to one of the most successful real estate teams in Upper Manhattan here in New York City. This morning, the Kranz and Kranz team from Halstead Real Estate is with us, and we are going to break all of that down. But first, I'd like to work on my listeners in the United States and around the world. I'm Vince Rocco, and you are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate. In the news this morning, the wait was clearly worth it for Bradley Cooper. After several years of looking around for the perfect New York City home, the actor and newly minted director of the acclaimed A Star is Born just moved into a West Village townhouse. The Wall Street Journal reports that Cooper closed on the off-market deal in May when he paid $13.5 million for a five-story brick beauty. Bradley and his partner partner model, Irina Shayak, I'm going to say. Is that how you say it correctly? I don't know. Anyway, have made tabloid fodder the past <laughs> few years as they scoured the Upper West Side and the village for a place to settle in and spread out. Shayak, his partner, had bought and sold apartments at 166 Perry Street, and 150 Charles Street, <clears throat> since uh, since she and Cooper hooked up together years ago, and they have since welcomed a child together, so the 4,000-square-foot townhouse clearly met the couple's space and aesthetic needs. The townhouse had been a four-unit rental building before it was bought by an investment group in 2010 for $4 million and converted back to a single family, complete with a gut renovation. As for Cooper's A Star is Born co-star, renting appears to fit Lady Gaga's lifestyle when she uh, is here in New York, her hometown, her last place was rented uh, uh, on 40 up on 40 Central Park South, and it was a beautiful duplex penthouse, and she still apparently has that. Anyway, few places in the United States are more staunchly liberal than the Upper West Side of Manhattan, and so few things are more galling to many residents of a residential complex than the big letters that greet them at their building's front door, Trump Place. Last Thursday, condo owners joined three neighboring buildings and finally getting their relief uh, workers pried the letters off the front and back of 200 Riverside Boulevard, a 46-story building. The building will simply now be called 200 Riverside Boulevard. The sentiment about having his name over the front door changed during Mr. Trump's campaign. Many residents sought to distance themselves from his politics. Many New Yorkers have never liked him. For some, the once ubiquitous Trump brand, which adorned uh, apartment buildings, hotels, casinos, golf courses, stakes, Suits, water, does not have the same appeal as it used to before his political career. In Manhattan, there are many petitions in the works to have his name uh, removed from other buildings still bearing his name. In the latest building, all mats, uniforms, and uh, everything that had the Trump name will no longer be associated anywhere and forever. After hundreds of people signed, 
an online petition titled Dump the Trump Name. Anyway, that's politics in New York City. So, moving on, welcome to the Kranz and Kranz team here in New York City. They work at Halstead Real Estate, uh, where I happen to work. With $1 billion in residential experience, the Kranz and Kranz team is led by husband and wife duo Jeff and Kristen Kranz, named a power couple by The Real Deal in 2012. Their long-standing and successful <laughs> career is uh, built on a blend of approachable professionalism and high-octane creativity. High-octane, I would high never octane. guess that one in a million years. Have you met never. Kristen? <laughs> right, she have has, you met Kristen? high-octane. There you have <laughs> They perform at an elite level, providing clients a um, uh, personable, enjoyable experience, repeat sellers, developers, landlords, and buyers rely on their clear market view despite the incessant chatter conflicting reports and the information overload smeared all across the network team the team is a giant success in addition to jeff and Kristen this morning two other members cameron brown and whitney osentoski agents on the team are here with us so good morning to all of you and welcome again so you know let, let's talk about it you know when today if you're working on a team it's pretty much the norm in new york city real estate at least that's what i'm seeing but when i started real estate 17 years ago it was unusual to see teams within a brokerage so you, you had smaller brokerage firms that, you know, were big teams pretty much, but they were all part of the same, you know, brokerage firm and the, the, the broker was pretty much uh, at the head of that. But the, today it's different. Within, corp, within firms, within companies, you have multiple teams. And I would say probably more people work on a team today than not. So we'll get into a lot of things, but I wanted to understand first and foremost, what was the impetus to grow or to begin, you know, the Krantz and Krantz team uh, and to grow it to where it is today and to make it the success it is? What are the pros and what are the cons of of building a team, keeping a team going, working on a team, et cetera? So the concept, thank you, and thanks for having us, Vince. Um, the concept of having a team and growing a team started um, 10 years ago when Kristen and I first met and we had read a book, a couple, I don't remember the timing called the E-Myth. And it was really kind of an impactful book to me because it, it talked about a lady who sold cupcakes and <laughs> she had this amazing cupcake business. Do you I know think, the book? I think I remember that now. When you mentioned cupcakes, yeah, I remember so the book. She was, yeah. she, yeah. she had this yeah. amazing cupcake business and it was just her and she was working 18 hours a day and she was selling hundreds of thousands of cupcakes and then she got sick or something and she had to stop for three months and her business stopped and her business ended because she was no longer able to be in the kitchen and she was the secret sauce. And that really resonated with Kristen and myself because we thought the same is true with real estate. If, you're, if you don't have a team backing you up and people who can step in and people who can fill your shoes, it's not really a business. It's a profession for sure. But without the support, it relies on you and you only. And we didn't think that was scalable. And we didn't think that that was the best way to serve our growing client base. So there's now seven of us rather than just me or Kristen. And we thought that was a smart thing to do for our, for our buyers and sellers. Now break that out for us a little bit. So in a, on a day-to-day basis, okay, for those out there who are not in real estate, those out there who have a fascination with it, want to get into real estate, studying to you know become agents, whatever, what is a day in the like of a team all about? So who does what and who gets assigned what and who goes where and, and, and how does it keep from getting totally conflicted and people running all right. over the place? Because they could very easily get to be that way. I would so say. I'm going to hog the mic again. <coughs> as the leader. <laughs> Who's high octane? Team, yeah. team, team leader. Um, and, and 
Look, running a team is, there's books. I read every article. I read every book. I read every blog post on what does a team mean. And I think it means something different to everyone else. A lot of people subscribe to you know, the, the sort of national structure of a team with a buyer agent, a, a inside sales, right. um, a seller's agent. We, we kind of are away from that. Um, we want all of our team members to be fully functional in any vertical. So rather than fully verticalize someone in one aspect of the business, we we decided that Whitney, Cameron, Micah should be able to talk to our developers if we're not able to do so, should be able to talk to a seller on a $20 million listing, not just the uh, seller's rep. I was going to ask you about that because I work in a team of two. I, we're a business partner and I for the past eight years, and I, I feel the same way. If I can't talk to somebody of importance in a particular situation, he can. They know who he is. They know who I am, and it works really kind of seamlessly, and it works really pretty well. So, Kristen, do you feel that that's the same You know, with the whole team? Because you guys do lots of new development, which I also want to get involved in as well. So developers, sellers, buyers, you know, by the hundreds. And so you're all comfortable with everybody on the team taking a piece of something on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely. Um, we, you know, right now, Cameron is actually uh, on a project with me right now uh, up in Harlem, the Rennie. Um, but prior to that, he was doing, you know, working with buyers and, and doing resales. So um, another thing that I want to also point out, um, why we kind of want everyone to be like a jack of all trades within the team is that a work-life balance is really important to us and me and Jeff because... Seriously, because, you know, real estate agents, we all know that it's a 24-hour job. And so if you're not able to step away and if you're not able to take that vacation, you know, you're not going to be a good broker to your client, you know, or, you know, a good family member or a good team member. So this whole work-life balance is super key to the team. And so that's why we were able to do that. Yeah. And looking at your all of your social media from time to time, I see that there's a cohesiveness with all of you together socially or on the job, so to speak. And and I think that's kind of what I look at and that's kind of what I admire. Wanting to create my own team at some point if the market turns around and gets to where it needs to be. But 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 you watch that and you follow that and you see that that togetherness. And again, I have that with one person, but I certainly would like it with, you know, a few more people to get out there and to get you know, more stuff done there, uh, during the day. Whitney, what is your impression about working? Did you start out on a team or did you come in on your own and then whatever? Um, so I'm one of those actors gone real estate agents, um, <laughs> but I did grow up in a real estate family in Michigan. So both my parents are licensed real estate agents. My uncle owns a brokerage there. So I was around it. It was the other career choice that I didn't make. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was done with my Broadway career and I transitioned into real estate, I you know got trained at a few downtown firms. One of them happened to be where Jeff and Kristen also worked. So there was an introduction there. And then when it you know came time for them to grow their team, Jeff was in touch with me, and we met like three or four times. And it was definitely a feeling, feeling out of um, one another. And I love your smile. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a great laugh. Yeah, great laugh. <laughs> great personality. <laughs> but it was it was pretty obvious. Like one of the things that Kristen and Jeff were worried about was the culture. Yeah, And wanting to make sure that the personalities were the right fit, but also the work ethic. So even though we all do everything, there is definitely a system. So every Monday, you know, we're sending reports out. And that's online reports. It's open house and appointment traffic reports. So yeah. there is a standard that, that Jeff and Kristen set that we all, 
you know, adhere to. And, and it really adds a lot of value to our clients, you know, and it helps them understand pricing. It helps them have those, you know, when we have to have those difficult conversations, something might be a little overpriced. You have all that data that they're getting every week. So even though we're not, you know, just a buyer's agent, just a seller, we're, we're all adhering to the structure and, and those expectations are met. After the break, I wanted to break that down just a little bit because Jeff mentioned that before. We've got 30 seconds, so um, let's take a break. We'll come back. We've got to talk to Cameron. Uh, you are listening to Good Morning New York on the Voice America Variety Channel. We will be right back. Don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York, Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. All right, everybody, we are back. Cameron Brown, let me ask you. So you came into the business how many years ago? Four years ago. Four years ago. And first experience on a team, or were you on your own first and then kind of migrated over to the team? Oh, no, funny story. So my first experience, Halstead was my first office, um, and I sat across from Whitney and Jeff. So for Feel that energy. Yeah. <laughs> so for like a year, I would just sit across, actually a year and a half, I would just sit across from them. And every day I'd be like, one day I'm going to be on your team. <laughs> <laughs> literally. <laughs> literal. He literally would say that to us. Goals. Yeah, there you go. Um, and so, you and know. And Jeff would you say. You probably heard uh, all their uh, secrets. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Jeff just would smile or laugh or whatever. And, um, <laughs> and you know, when, when you talk about the culture and when you talk about team building, Jeff is really slow to, to add someone to the team because culture is super important. And very um, and so, you know, when you say when you say you see us online or when you see us together, it really is, you know, it's not to be, you know, cheesy, but it really is a family environment that, you know, we hang out all the time Absolutely. we work and they, they expect a lot of us, but we also we enjoy it, you know, so it's a lot of hard work, but it's, it's definitely worth it. Um, and, and like Kristen was saying earlier, the trajectory 
of coming, you know, being in the business for four years and starting as a rental agent and then, you know, having experience being a buyer agent and, and a listing agent and now doing new development. It's been such a learning experience for me. And, you know, I feel equipped to be able to do you know, kind of every single thing in the business. One of the benefits, I think, of and anybody will tell you this about being on a team, especially as a newer agent, is you get to do everything, the buy side, the sell side, in some cases, development side, where you guys are involved. So you, you get a touch of everything, and maybe someday you become an expert in one or a couple of them or not, you know, yep. but the generalist is not a bad thing. Mr. Team Leader, so, you know, he, uh, Cameron touched on it. So culture is a big thing, you know, culture in a family. We at Halstead love our company mm-hmm. because we feel the culture there is just phenomenal and better than the next. But break it down for us on a team level. Why is that so important? And when you're recruiting, what do you keep in mind when you're looking for people to, to kind of come into that culture and make that work or continue that It's a great question. Culture? I mean, part of what Cameron said about me taking my time and Kristen and, and I taking my time is because people can put on a good show yeah. for only so long, though. And right. so we give people chances that we, I think, you know, we have a gut instinct about someone. And then we pursue that sort of on a trial basis, like give them some listings, some open houses to come on through. Then we'll put them with some buyers and they'll sort of gradually either become part of the team's culture or it'll become evident that they're not. And not subscribing to our culture does not offend us and that shouldn't offend them or that you're not that you're a bad agent also right it, it means it doesn't it, fit the mold. it just doesn't i mean we are very hands-on and some people don't like that i mean real estate agents in general are self-operators and don't like to be looked at everything they do not that i watch every moment but i'm involved in every newsletter every mailer and so there's a certain amount of accountability, and that is our culture. Actually, it starts with accountability. The, the warm and fuzziness is because we like each other. The culture is accountability. Right. Mm-hmm. So, Kristen, so what, what are the, what's the dynamic on the team? So you've got, I'm sure you've got admin people. You've got people who do maybe some inside sales, maybe not, or is everybody just kind of doing, you know, everything or whatever the week ahead? I know you guys have a Monday morning meeting to, mm-hmm. to kind of gather, and what is that meeting all about? Well, um, I mean, the meeting is just touching base. You know, it's, it's we, we you know, up. catch up. We talk about what happened this past week, um, you know, both on a personal level and on a work level. It's a really great way to educate yourself too. what's going on in the market. If I'm on a building, I don't necessarily know what's going on during the open houses, you know, and, and on our listings. And it's a really great way to just get a sense of what's going on in the market. Um, and it's just, it, it creates this sense of stability and cohesiveness, you know, having that meeting it's an untouching base. It's, it's, it's really, you know, that, that is also what keeps up the family type of culture um, and the accountability. And, and I would say on top of that is that anytime an ego enters the room, I mean, again, real estate and we all have egos, mm-hmm. um, but anytime an ego enters the room along with one of, if I bring my ego or if one of us brings our ego to the door and. And it's, we ask that ego to leave because there's no place for egos in the, in the meetings. There's no place for egos in the business. Get the job done, get educated, be friendly, be professional, and deal with your ego when you're working out at the gym and get rid of it. <laughs> well, well said. I mean, you know, there's a lot of emotion in this business. Right. But if you, and, and that, you know, you can't help that sometimes, but the, the ego gets in the way. It, it detracts. Matt, did you and want I, to say something? I just want to chime in. I, I, what Cameron said about enjoying it, I think, is so important. You know, when you look at the most successful teams in the city, 
they really enjoy each other. You know, they work hard, Absolutely. they play hard, but what we do is such a personal business mm. and we do it so much to Kristen's point, 24 hours a day. So you're with these people all the time. It has to be something much more than just a work relationship. Absolutely. Whitney, what is working in new development sales? Uh, what does that mean to you? I mean, because clearly it's mm. been very different than, mm. it is very different and I do a lot of it as well, very different than your traditional resale. So what do you see in that and what, what do you get out of that? Oh gosh, I mean, uh, so much. The The thing that I'm hearing a lot now because we're so busy in both arenas with the new development and with resale <clears throat> is that we're seeing the same people. Mm -hmm. And what's awesome is when I'm with a buyer and they're like, oh, I just saw Sarah. She's amazing. Mm -hmm. Oh, I just had a tour with Kristen. She's awesome. Oh, I just uh, was at the Rennie with Cameron. So uh, the, the thing is people are meeting all of us and it's uh, definitely, there's a team recognition uptown that's happening. But on a personal level, it's just... It's negotiating that many deals all in one project. You know, yeah. it's it's really like, you know, Jeff is there, especially in the beginning. When I started four and a half years ago on the team, you know, I definitely asked him every single piece of the negotiation. The last project I was on, I would check in if there was something that was really major, but he really um he really has faith and trust in in us and that means a lot. And on you know, the other piece of it is he is very much invested in our individual growth. Mm. So we are out there also getting listings. Yes, they're under the umbrella of Krantz and Krantz, which is it's our brand. But he wants us to be successful at every level. And that's amazing. Oh, you're oh, a man. Yeah. <laughs> I love people. <laughs> <laughs> that you do. Cameron, tell us about that wonderful uh, project up in Harlem, the Remy. And tell us a little bit about working in Harlem, actually. Well, you know, it's a fantastic unit. We have uh, over 100 units. It's an eight-floor, uh, eight-story building uh, with amenities that you really don't see uptown. Uh, fantastic uh, views uh, looking at City College. Um, and it's just, it's been such an amazing experience because it actually has uh, a 25-year tax abatement. So we're seeing people come in who are really looking for that savings, um, especially now with the new tax laws. You know, they're looking for ways that they can have um, manageable payments, you know, when, they, when, they're, when they're purchasing. So we've seen uh, such a drove of interest from not only Harlem residents, but people coming from downtown looking to move uptown as well. Um, and, you know, with this being my first new development, it's, it's been so exciting having Kristen, uh, who's the sale manager, kind of take me under her wing and, and show me the ropes, you know, with the new development. So it's been amazing so far. And we have a really good time, too, as well. So, Kristen, new developments. Wow. You are the queen of new developments from all the research and stuff that I've done and what I hear from, you know, our Halstead uh, marketing group. Tell us a little bit about what it is for what what you like. So, I mean, I love working on site. I love working in new development. But what do you find rewarding? You know, for you to keep you going on a daily basis, starting a building, bringing a building to market, selling it all out, and then looking at it one day and say, Ah, look what I just did. Um, you know, there's a there's a, a sense of consistency, but it's also uh, the joy of of selling a product um, that you know, hundred percent inside and out. Um, and That's also, you know, and, and it's and it's first and foremost, you know, being in real estate, it's a people business. And when you are on site, you get exposed to so many people every day. 
Um, you know, people come and visit me, basically. That's how I see it. People come and visit me and I'm hang out with me. I'm having company today. Exactly. <laughs> I'm getting um, visitors, and I get to show them this amazing product that I know really, really well. Um, it kind of becomes my domain for that, you know, nine months or a year or however long it takes to sell that building. Um, and, you know, not only with the clients, but I also get to know all the real estate brokers, you know, basically in the city. You know, it's a great exposure um, and, you know, it's, 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 it's fun. I really enjoy it. I like coming into my office with my coffee, you know, sitting at my desk and it's really nice. And then I have that consistency for a few months, but then I also get to do it all over again on a new project that's, <laughs> in a couple of years. That's, you know? the, be- that's the best thing. Yeah. You get to, you get to hone your skill. You get to learn your product. You get to sell it well. Then you get to move on and do it again somewhere exactly. else and then hopefully keep doing it and doing it. And that's and one of the things I, can just I add, like about it. I can just add, cause I know Kristen cause I live with her. One of the things that she's alluded or told me directly and that I can see, cause I used to be an onsite salesperson too is that people love new. So it's all enthusiasm from the buyer side. Um, real estate can be exhausting, um, but when the buyers come in, they're excited to see a new product and they're not complaining about the brown paint, it's, it's refreshing, it's re-energizing. So Kristen's mentioned that, you know, that's, that's, you love that. Yeah, I love that. Tell us quickly, um, we've got a few minutes left to this segment. Tell us quickly about how you take on a building, you know, where, where it starts and then obviously where it ends. We've got people listening around the world who don't necessarily understand how New York condo development happens. Well, I mean, it, it really depends on the, the developer as well. But, um, you know, as our, uh, you know, career has grown, the developers are now bringing us in sooner and sooner in the process. So, right. um, you know, now we're even, you know, we, we are helping them and, 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 and assisting with, you know, creating the floor plans, picking out finishes. We have our hands on in the marketing campaign. The it's really exciting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we're a new development, bro- a good new development broker for developers listening out there, or, or brokers who want to get into the development. It's it's not just what looks good on paper and what colors look good on the brochure. It's knowing the demographics. It's knowing the unit mix. How many one bedrooms are going to absorb? It's more of a, it's more of a scientific process before the building launches. Once the building launches its sales, everything before that is pretty much science. And it's also competition. You have to look at your competition, right? Especially Absolutely. if you're localized in a neighborhood, Harlem, for example, or Upper West Side, wherever the neighborhood is, you've got to look at your competition because the the best way you can sell your your current development is to understand of what course. else is out there. Of course. Because yep. people, one of you said, I think Whitney said it before, people make the rounds. They go all over the place. And so they might have stopped at, you know, Matthew's, uh, you know, project, Vince's project, and now they're at yours. And so in addition to knowing why, in addition to knowing your product, you have to also understand why yours is better, right? That, that the spin that we have to put on our little, you know, soft shoe as we're meeting our company every day, correct? Absolutely. So it, it gets to be um, so thrilling and so exciting and so secret sauce in one word. What is the secret sauce for the team? <laughs> you love that phrase. I love that team. <laughs> to sum it all up, to sum it all up with all of your, 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 your cast of characters here, what is the secret sauce? Professionalism, approachability, accountability. Okay. I like that, and I accept that. So these guys are going <laughs> to these guys are going to stick with us cool. for the rest of the hour. We've got to take a break. We're live from Blast Off Productions here in New York City. This is Good Morning New York. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk to the esteemed panel. Don't go away.
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast all the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. American Heroes Network is a program for and about our American veteran heroes and their families. Join host Gary Ray as he shows what is being done to help our veterans and showcase the companies and organizations that are helping our veterans and their families rebuild their lives. Listen for American Heroes Network, live and powered by the Voice America Variety Channel, every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll-free in North America at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Hello, everybody. We are back in the Krantz and Krantz team. Jeff, Kristen, Cameron, and Whitney are staying with us. Niall Lundgren from Compass is here with us today. Tracy Hammersley from Douglas Elliman, Matthew Cohen, Core Real Estate, Sean McPeak, Halstead Real Estate, and Sean Atterbury uh, from Core. Okay, so despite seeing its median sale price drop 16% year over year, Tribeca came out as top as New York City's most expensive neighborhood in the third quarter of this year, as I said at the top of the show, according to a new report from uh, Property Shark. The neighborhood with a median price of $3.45 million is up from the number two spot it captured last year this time. Surging to second place with a 61% price increase is the Garment District. Now, I want to ask that's about shocking. that. That's, that's shocking. That's, <laughs> well, or is that Hudson Yards? That's it's Hudson Yards. It, it, yeah. A lot of it is Hudson Yards, but also the surrounding. And I happen to have a buyer who's looking in that. We just lost in a bidding war on West 37th Street, believe that or not. Though mostly a commercial area, the neighborhood is beginning to see a new residential developments, which which is Hudson Yards, which has recorded an even higher median sale price of condos, starting at about three point four million dollars last year. The median for the district was one point nine million. Okay, so let's 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 take Tribeca first. So Tribeca has always been on everybody's radar. It's always been a wonderful neighborhood. I've told you my story many times on this air. How my mother looked at an apartment <laughs> I wanted to buy and said, "Cobblestone streets? What is that? You can't buy that apartment." Next, so you're not bitter at all. <laughs> she didn't understand why the streets were bumpy. You can't have it anyway. So and I didn't buy it. Right? Listen to mother. Anyway, so why is Tribeca still up there and still number one and still like the highest, you know, uh, median price, maximum price, price per square foot? What about Tribeca? Well, there are a few things about Tribeca that I don't think people take into play, which is, first of all, every so often there's a huge sale. So, I mean, you have sales of like 20 to 40 million that happen about once a month. So that definitely changes statistics. Um, Correct. Also, you have projects that are closing that started sales years ago. So like the Four Seasons. You were the mini king of Tribeca. <laughs> <laughs> mini, very mini. mini okay. <laughs> and I'm surprised um, you didn't lead in with PS234. To me, I mean, that, that is I, always why the 113 yeah. zip code has consistently been at the top, if not the top. Absolutely. Agreed. And Citibank building. Um, you have a lot of things. Like now Brookfield Place is so close, you can walk to everything. But 30 Park Place, 100 Barkley, um, 30 Warren, there are projects that are selling at very high numbers. So that's really, I think, bringing into those statistics. I mean, anything else? I mean, the the landscape, by the way, has completely changed from, you know, my original experiences way before I was a, a real estate agent. You know, I remember the days when I used to work in the financial district and we would kind of walk around. There was absolutely nothing was in Tribeca. Town. 
You had Ghost to leave. Town. Yeah. You, it was it was scary after six p.m. Like there's nobody here. The movie scene. <laughs> nobody here. And you know. And that's but that's the other thing. Now Tribeca is so much bigger than it used to be because it's not just up until well, church or just up until Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. They've expanded yeah, you the have boundaries. Forty nine chambers now. That's technically Tribeca. You know, you have basically City Hall Park. That's Tribeca. It's well, I was been sure to say you see as many strollers there as you do in the Upper East Side now. At this yeah. point, oh, yeah, too. definitely. But there's oh, also yeah. grocery stores. There's development. Right, that's my point. Stuff along the Broadway corridor, which wasn't really Tribeca. Now there's a gourmet garage. There's well, they've First expanded the boundaries to to include a lot of areas of Tribeca, which I disagree with. I think traditional Tribeca is where it belongs. But anyway, but in the beginning, there wasn't any uh, grocery store. There wasn't even a movie theater. There wasn't any. You couldn't buy a bottle of wine. I mean, you had to walk to the West Village. I mean, all over the place to get whatever you needed. Now. Obviously, it's different. So let's talk about the garment, the Garmento district, right, as it's been well known over the years. How does that become number two? I mean, Hudson Yards is Hudson Yards, but not everybody can afford Hudson Yards. I think there's a bleed. I think that the the, the benefit from Hudson Yards bleeds into the next neighborhood, and they take advantage on the heels of the success of, of the bigger neighborhood. And that happens on one, in, in, in our special neighborhood Harlem 110th Street is sort of this $2,000 a foot, and all of a sudden on 111th Street, the, the median price jumped 25% because they're taking the growth in the other. And the same thing happened with 15 Central Park West. Oh, that back, changed back. the whole landscape. So, there. so there's these pockets of extreme success, and then, then the surrounding neighborhoods benefit from it. And then, I mean... I think we need to know the parameters of the garment district because we I were just talking about how, how I mean, it, it. I think that well, they're, the they're a little, like, they're they're a little broad right now. <laughs> well, they're trying to say Midtown, parts of Midtown West, Midtown mm. South, like Flatiron, I bet you is in there, which I mean, I live in Flatiron, so that's not no, garment I, district. So I don't know what they're, yeah, that, but then like the Bryant and all the projects around Bryant Park, I'm sure they're considering that garment district. And those are yeah, selling for three thousand square but foot. That's more Midtown East, right. right? No, I think you're correct, but I don't think it should be correct because it's not the Garment District. I think I think it's a very defined neighborhood, and we'll find out for next week. But the 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 landscape over there, the old industrial buildings. I mean, I'm showing in a lot of the old pre-war buildings that were factories, that were clothing factories, that were you know whatever they were. Um, and they are now converting these magnificent loft spaces into apartments. Well, they have over the years. Interesting. One building on, I think it was 37th Street, showing a buyer of mine, very expensive apartment. And people have been living in that building for 45 and 50 years. And I keep thinking to myself, who in their right mind would live on that block in that neighborhood 50 years ago? But 50 years ago was probably a lot better than it got to be over time. And then now it's getting back to being nice again. But 50 years ago, people pioneered, talk about pioneers, living on... In the th- West 30s? Wow. I mean, Vince, just because you don't have vision doesn't mean you <laughs> Your mother didn't have vision. The problem just is I have wear vision. The heels. I, I have vision, but I also said, okay, whatever you want. Right, fine, Mom. Good boy, you're good, yeah. Look, I would have been down there 20, oh, forget it, 25 years ago. Your mother should have just told you, don't wear heels on cobblestone treats. You know, That's what I, my mom always told me. You know, I recently <laughs> said to her, I brought up the subject, and of course she says, oh, I don't remember that. Anyway, <laughs> Hell's Kitchen. Hell's Kitchen is no stranger to, de- to development. The neighborhood generally considered to be bounded by 34th and 59th Street and 8th Avenue and the Hudson River. Here's another neighborhood that's got, you know, kind of gray area lines, okay? Already has a mix uh, of new high-rises, older walk-ups, and a plethora of car dealerships along 11th and 12th Avenue, which I've said for years is going away of, over time. It's, uh, it's days as a gang-infested enclave. I don't remember that, but I remember hearing the stories. 
are far behind it. And today, the neighborhood is better known for its trendy bars and restaurants and a thriving LGBTQ scene. However, the transformation of the neighboring uh, Hudson Yards has ushered in a new wave of development. The area's proximity to Times Square, to the south and central park, to the north, and make it attractive to developers and residents alike, as does the fact that it's not quite as pricey as the neighboring Upper West Side and Chelsea to its south. Eleven developments are planned for that neighborhood in the next 18 months. Uh, Question to the experts sitting here. How do we absorb that? How do the buyers? Kristen actually sold. Uh, how long? Five forty yeah, west. Yeah, I think it was five forty west, forty nine street. Forty nine street. Um, yeah, I sold that building, and it was kind of you know that was like a pioneering, but it was between tenth and you know it was on tenth avenue, and that's like two yeah. avenues away from the subway station. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit of a stretch, but it was a value play at the time, and this was a few years ago. Correct. Um, but you that's know, where we met. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, wow. But, you know, I sold it on the Matthew promise of the Hudson Yards. Matthew just loves you, by the way. He <laughs> I love that, too. <laughs> it's mutual. Um, no, but, we, you know, I sold that on the promise of, of Hudson Yards. Um, that was a, a big upside. Same thing at 555. I sold that on the high line. Um, but, you know, I think that, I think New York City, you know, we it's it's a lot of it is marketing, too. And it's Manhattan. I mean, yeah. it's it's where everybody in the world wants to be. If you have an opportunity to come to New York City and, you know, survive it and then own a piece of property, you've pretty much made it in the world. You know, we did a story last week, I think, or the week before on Brooklyn, how in the old days people were running out of Brooklyn, right? And and, and when I was growing up, you did not want to be associated with Brooklyn. You needed to grow up, get out of your house and move to the city, Mm -hmm. which was Manhattan, right? So now the trend is kind of trending back and people are going back to Brooklyn because Brooklyn is also very cool and also very, you know, whatever. But you're right. You know, here in Manhattan, people from other areas, the the burbs, you know, the Midwest, wherever they come from, they all want to be in New York City because this is the place to be. And right, if you can own a piece of the rock and it's a little less expensive in Hell's Kitchen versus the Upper West mm-hmm. or Chelsea or wherever – you're going to do that. I sold 505 West 47th Street from floor plans 10 years ago, 11 years ago. In six months, six months, five and a half months, every 108 units were sold. Mm-hmm. No concessions. Those were in the days when everything was, you know, jumping hot. But, and I used to say to the developer up behind the scenes, who the hell wants to live here? Right. <laughs> and he'd say to me, are you selling this building or not? I said, yeah. <laughs> what is, the, am, right what is am. the price per square foot that they're looking at? 17, 1800 of the new product? Yes. Uh, well, between 1750 and about 2100 And I keep saying to people who want to go past that two mark, ain't going to happen, guys. Right. Not going to happen. But, the blend, but the, your blend, your non-penthouse is around Eight, 1800 Correct. Right? Correct. Well, I mean, you it's know. It's very approachable. It's it very is. approachable. I mean, to, to Kristen's point, like, that's, you know, owning a piece of the island, Absolutely. you know, that's what makes fringe neighborhoods so successful. I mean, look at look at Coda, look at everything going on in Hudson Square. I kind of compare Hudson Square to what's going on in Hell's Kitchen. I mean, you have Charlie West, which is a great project that's selling because it's really approachable. Is it and selling? The, yeah, I mean, the only other place you can get, yeah, right. Well, in in relation to what that's else is again. going on She's in selling. the market. They did a price adjustment over there. It's the Just same, saying. but it's very similar prices to what you find in parts of Brooklyn. People would rather be in, a lot of people would rather be in Manhattan. I mean, Hell's Kitchen's definitely like uh, become its own neighborhood to itself. I mean, yes. With the R and LGBTQ yes. community, I mean, 
it's totally it's a totally different place than it was you know seven years ago it's sort of isolated itself into this this like standout neighborhood all on its own as you say where it's never been before yeah. and rental projects did come in there big Amazing time big buildings big amenity know. overload oh overload i can't remember some of them but but some of those buildings Crazy. Anyway, moving on before we go to break. Is riding the bus in New York really that bad? Every time I mention taking the bus to my 20-something colleagues or millennials, here we are, all of them, uh, as they, they, they say, ew, why would you take the bus? <laughs> yeah. Are you kidding me? The bus? No, but whatever. If you grow up in the suburbs out there in the, or any flyover part of the country and you've just arrived in New York City, the subway, even its fa- at its foulest, is pretty damn exotic romantic even people can romanticize about taking the subway okay but the bus <laughs> you know they have buses in akron they don't have buses and you shouldn't be taking a bus in new york city in my first 10 years or so in new york i don't think i ever took a bus anywhere i lived all over and had a pick of my subways for going uptown or downtown now of course i'm in a via car or an uber <laughs> car or whatever because i'm not dealing with that anyway so what's in a ride you know what what you know why do people say they want to take the bus what what is so great about the bus i, I take the bus sometimes <clears throat> i don't i don't see the problem i mean when it's snowing really heavily or if you're really like trapped out and if, if it's really hot or, or really cold and that bus shows rain. up it's like it's like the messiah it's the like best you know the problem <clears throat> i have with the bus no one really takes it anymore well, but but you the bus arrives and there's usually a line of people, right? And you know, by the time you get on the bus, you're either cold or you're hot or you're you're weighed down with the bags. And by the time you get in the bus, if you can find a seat, you're already irritated. I mean, you <laughs> you, you are on the train too, but on the bus, it's kind of like you know what? And then there's a lot of altacacas. Is that how they say? Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> people who they get that's it. That's what all, that's what all the millennials are saying. <laughs> they, get, <laughs> they get up to the turnstile and they're looking for now. Now they're digging in their bag for their their car. I'm many. like, you know what, lady or man, whatever. Find your card on the street while the bus is still not here. <laughs> have they it do in have that express service now where you buy it ahead of time. You know, the I don't know. Oh. Yeah. I, I know. can usually walk faster than the Cameron bus. And I have you can walk, yeah. so, you can't walk I mean, faster than the crosstown bus. I feel yeah. like yeah. now more and more buyers, like when they're looking at property, they're not looking for the bus route. They're looking to see what their Uber, like how much right. the rate is going to be, right. you know, or seeing, you know, what's the via route. I, I, people aren't really looking at, I mean, people still, people still ask about where's the closest subway, but you don't hear where's the closest bus stop. If you anyone, never hear that. If anyone follows me on social media, they will see occasionally. Yeah. Might be a rant, okay? Yes. Yes. And they do exist, okay? <laughs> However, I'm still not going to give that up. So I, I mean, will give a shout out though. When I lived in Second Avenue and Twenty Second Street, the M15 bus was very. It goes up Second Avenue and down First Avenue. So before the Second Avenue subway, it was very convenient. Why walk west to the subway when you have to walk east back to your destination? Town, it's not overcrowded. Work. I used to live on oh Avenue C. They're now. useful. In a They're useful. Crosstown bus. The Crosstowner. The I can do. I lived on C. I used to take no. the bus all the time. <laughs> right. All right. We have to take a break. This what? is Good Morning New York on the Voice of America Variety Channel. We have a big full house here, but we're coming right back. Don't go away. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com It's not easy to make it big in New York City. It's even harder to sustain that success for decades. However, two teams have defied those odds due to their formulas for success. Both have all-star rosters performing at the top of their game. Each have an undying commitment to greatness, a willingness to evolve, superior training programs, and ownership that invests heavily in their products. 
It only seemed natural for the world's most valuable sports brand to partner with Halstead, a market leader in the New York metro area, and now proudly serving as the official luxury real estate firm of the New York Yankees. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco. If you want to call into the program, we're toll free in North America at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Now, back to the show. Okay, everybody, you are back for segment four, our last segment. We have the Krantz team is still here. Uh, Jeff, Kristen, Cameron Whitney, Niall Lundgren is here, Tracy Hammersley, Matt Cohen. Sean McPeak and Sean Attaberry. I'm okay. so excited about it, Vince. I'm the laundry <laughs> list. A lot of names. A lot of names. Lots going on over here. If you own your apartment, if you own your apartment, you may have been told you have to pay a flip tax. Okay, a flip tax. If you live in a co-op building, or less frequently, a transfer fee. If you live in a condo, uh, when you eventually have to sell or or do sell, this means that after the sale, you must pay the board a certain amount of money based on either a percentage of the sale price or a set amount per share if you are in a co-op. Sometimes it's predetermined and sometimes it's a percentage of whatever the sale price is. So that moves. However, these days, there's a uh, not a lot of apartment flipping going on. Manhattan co-ops and condos spend about three months on the market in the third quarter, according to Douglas Elliman's most recent report, hampered by sellers who are clinging to outdated price expectations. And if sellers are still stuck, uh, what about co-op boards? Have they adjusted to the buyer's market? Interesting question. Have they lowered their flip tax to encourage buyers? No, they have not. In fact, some uh, buildings are raising the tax in order to generate more revenue, even uh, adding one for the first time if they never had one. So interesting concept. Market is slow. There are not a lot of buyers out there. People aren't selling their apartments so quickly or rapidly. Boards, instead of saying, let's lower some of the fees to get in or out of a building, they're increasing. What is the thinking behind that? Is, have any of you seen any of that in your co-op, probably, uh, day-to-day stuff more than condos? I have not seen any increases. I, I haven't seen anything <coughs> in particular. just assessments. I was actually going to say, yeah, this mo- assessments, year. Assessments, yes. This year, more than ever, I've seen, I've actually experienced co-op boards being a lot more lenient. And all the presidents that I talk to are saying just because... 
the market's not as good. They want to be fair to both the buyers, but more the sellers, just in case, you know, they don't want to give them a turndown, then the seller can't find another buyer for a year. But it also hurts um, the other people in the building, too, if they can't exactly. find somebody yeah, at a reasonable price. Property if you're into that. I, I've seen, I've mm-hmm. seen a little uh, movement on like mm-hmm. the, the deductibility of upgrades to your apartment through the flip tax. I've seen like a little bit of flexibility with co-op uh, management companies being like, okay, fine, deductions. Um, if you made upgrades to your apartment, hmm. how do you go ahead? I was going to say it's also important to understand who pays the flip tax. Um, sometimes you know, the building has it, you know, designated that the seller pays or designated that the buyer pays. Just curious what you guys have seen because I've always used that as a negotiation point. Thank you. Um, I was just going to say that. I, I yeah. feel like it's always negotiable, even if it is it designated is no, it's for always the buyer. Yeah, oh my god, to, we could put on the other person. I yeah. find the complete mm-hmm. opposite. I, I find that like ninety percent of co-ops are flip tax to the seller. No, they are. They are. Dude, but yeah, you, and could, you could always negotiate. We're talking about negotiation. Yeah, like, you're going to have to buy But at yeah. the end of the day, the board doesn't care who pays that tax. Right. So if you want to negotiate it and make the buyer pay, you can. But a lot of times when you get a listing in a co-op and you give them your questionnaire oh, yeah. of all the different policies, no, it's always they, a seller. they designate it to one of them. Right. So right. if like it's yeah, hard right. to negotiate it, if it's designated by the market. The market's strong no, enough, no, no, though. I find. I don't know. The market's strong enough. You can put it out there. No buyers are... Raising That's their hand today. to everything's negotiable right now. Yeah, correct. Correct. Right. Listen, it's like transfer taxes. You know, when people buy condos and new developments, okay, king and queens of new developments here. You know, they buy the. You know, sometimes it's there's a concession and the developer picks up the transfer tax. Sometimes not in hot markets. But what they all forget about is when they go and sell that condo down the road, they now have to pay the transfer tax. And then you, I, I do a lot of condo stuff, so my sellers say, "Oh, I I didn't remember that." Well, yeah. you know. It is. It's a luxury now, tax for the new development. Correct. I mean, just it's important to remember that when, you, like you said, Vince, um, when you're selling, reselling your apartment, the transfer tax is on you, which is also negotiable technically as a flip taxes. But how often do you see correct buyer paying a transfer tax on a retail? And not, not mm-hmm. right, not often. But the point is though that it is negotiable. Should it become, you know, part of the deal or whatever, or need to become part of the deal? All of these things again. The boards don't care who's actually, well, the state cares that they get their money. But in, in a co-op, the board doesn't care who's actually paying the money. They just want to make sure that they get it. At the closing table, somebody's writing a check, buyer or seller, to the board. I mean, you know, people complain about flip taxes, but they they do exist in some cases. But as Sean uh, Atterbury said a minute ago, there's also assessments and buildings assess based on needed work in the buildings, lobby repairs and renovations, hallways, roof, boilers, you know, all that stuff. And sometimes it's easier for them to... Uh, make an assessment for everybody in a building versus raise the uh, raise the maintenance or the common charges because an assessment also, by the way, is tax deductible at the end of the day, although with these new tax laws, who knows, but you can write some of that off because it's an expense to improve the building, whereas maintenance is just, you know, maintenance and, and you don't pay real estate taxes out of that, so you can't deduct any of that stuff. Anyway, um, Moving on, Zach Cushion from the New York Post writes, it's hunting season, house hunting season, that is. The New Yorkers on the prowl for a new home this fall have plenty of options to consider thanks to a number of rental and condo developments that have recently launched or soon will. But pounding the pavement can be time-consuming, not to mention exhausting. So what are we finding out there? How are people searching these days, whether it's a rental or whether it's a condo, whether it's a co-op you know, to, sell, to buy? How are they searching? Where, where is their mind looking? Because probably now more than a long time, in a long time rather, there is so much to look at and so much to decide upon. And how do I do that? 
I think it's one of those markets where it's really important to have a great broker. Like, I think it's really important to have a broker who knows the, you know, widespread of what's out there. Um, I very often have clients who just want new development and they look to me to know every project that's out there. Go look at, you know, what's there, preview things, um, you know, but more than that, I still say, I know that there's a lot of negative press about it, but I still say that Street Easy is a huge hub. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I personally look at real estate across the country all the time, and I find that very few websites are as good as Street Easy. And my clients will always say to me, um, you know, do you find it difficult that you use the same tool as buyers use and as, as the actual clients use. And I say, no, first of all, I think it's great for transparency. Um, you know, as brokers, we get a re- bad reputation throughout the, the country, if not the world that we hide things and whatnot, but street easy is very transparent in a lot of ways, at least with, with regards to sales. Um, it, is, it is, it is, it is great. It's a great tool. It's a great educational tool, but at the same time, it doesn't have everything. And new development people here could tell you that there's a lot of other inventory that's not there that you do need a broker to find. Uh, but one quick plug, I've been using Real Scout, mm-hmm. which is like aggregating Street Easy and OLR and all these yes. other things. And my Real buyers Scout. love it's it. New. It's my new. Buyer, Halstead took it on. Yeah, yeah, there's only like six companies using it in Manhattan right now. But uh, my buyers are loving it. And I can like kind of interact with them over it. And it's, it's awesome, I can see actually. their activity. Like yeah. I check their activity on the way over here. It's great. So You can see what they're looking at and yeah, how you can You see if they, see, they open it three times. They like yeah. it. They save it. They do whatever. They put comments on it. So... Um, I'm finding that uh, I've actually converted a few clients from Streezy to Real Scout um, in the last week and a half. So, well, we're we're seeing also that buyers are coming without brokers when they're looking in the open houses, and the process is taking longer in today's market for them to really, from the time that they come and see a, a property to putting in an offer, is taking longer because they don't have the guidance of a broker or they're not sure the steps to take. And they're getting overwhelmed because they're they're going from place to place to place to place, which is not a bad thing. You can still do that with a broker, but a broker can hone you in a little bit and say, hey, listen, now you didn't like this, you like that, this is not working for you, this is, let's focus on whatever. Go ahead. Um, I was just going to say too, along, you know, in terms of working with an agent, you know, Micah and I are working with a downtown rental um, customer who is teaching exercise classes all over downtown. So it's very specific Mm -hmm. and he wants an agent to set up his tours. He doesn't have time for it. He wants um, our opinion on price and his financial situation. Where is he going to get approved? Uptown in Harlem, um, you know, we're working with buyers who, again, they wanted me to set up their open house tour for Saturday and Sunday. And they want my feedback about what the buildings are going to be, how they're going to be in resale. So we're going to end it on that note. That's the great way to end. Use a broker, get a broker. You don't know what you're doing out there all the time. So we can certainly have. We are out of time. That's it for today. Thanks to the Krantz and Krantz team for joining us today. And my panel, as always, shoot for the moon, everyone. Even if you miss, you'll land among the stars. And Confucius says, choose a job that you like and you will never have to work a day in your life. Be kind to one another. And for all of us at Voice America all around the world, Thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning in this week. Please join us for another edition of Good Morning New York Real Estate with Vince Rocco next Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Here's hoping all of your transactions are successful ones. 